Since the Big 12 hired Brett Yormark, the leadership at the Big 12 hasn't made many mistakes, and they've done a lot of great things along the way. Expanding media markets into Mexico to draw more TV ratings and funding to the conference was a giant step. Hosting events in Rucker Park is a great way to get a footprint in New York City and improve basketball recruiting. But holy smokes, Big 12, this football scheduling matrix is bad. Helen Keller throwing darts could have produced better scheduling than this. What history does lie between the teams of the new Big 12 needs to be honored. Instead of honoring it, y'all disgraced it. Heck, we could have a gravestone that reads Farmageddon 27 to 2027 now, and this schedule is like a picture of you taking a whiz on that gravestone. Shame on you, Big 12. Ten minutes of scrolling through Twitter could have given you any number of better scheduling options, but what was given to the schools looks like something that ChatGPT spat out. I have yet to see a fan base that's actually happy about this, and aside from Houston, every fan base in this conference would be significantly more satisfied with a pod structure, and if the justification is that this is to optimize TV ratings or some nonsense like that, don't try to play money ball with entire fan bases, because at that point, those fans that aren't as invested are going to peel off when the passion of rivalry disappears. It's a losing formula, and it needs to be walked back and redone for the better of every single school in this conference. Today is November 3rd, 2023. I'm Matt Menson, and welcome to the Cornfield Sports Pod. I'd like to welcome my co-host, Blake Peterson. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So that's... That's the big highlight. No Farmageddon in 2027. Yeah, so much, I mean, so much for Brent's, or Brett's uh, protecting rivalries. It's like, oh, protecting rivalries. Yeah. yeah. No, anyone that has tweeted anything Cyclone football related on Twitter in the last two days has been talking about this specifically. Like, on, like for a minute, the game against Kansas got completely forgotten because this scheduling fiasco is so bad. I, I, I don't know what you make of this. How do you screw this up that bad? We were talking about a sold-out Jack Trice, high student demand, and that just gets shoved to the side, like, essentially. Not to mention, I mean, it's... Farmageddon is the single longest continuous rivalry in college football. There is not one that is longer than that. And th- there's no honor for that. The Big 12 completely disrespected the tradition here. And that just, it's terrible. They need to walk it back. They need to, you know, issue a press release or something and say, actually, we're going to redo this and get it right the second time around because everybody's mad about this. Dude, I so, I so would have redone it. It's like, it's like, ooh, yeah, I see. I see. Like, we should, like, we should redo this. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's terrible. I mean, they didn't. And it's because of protecting rivalries. And they they said that they were focusing on that, and they did anything but focus on that. The Big 12 lied through their teeth. Here's, here's Brett Yormark's actual statement. Quote, I'm grateful to our membership for their support throughout the scheduling process. In this model, competitive balance and student-athlete wellness was prioritized. Rivalries will be protected, and new matchups will be introduced. The excitement and parody this conference is known for will continue for years to come. Lies. Yeah, lies is right. They did not make any effort to protect rivalries. 
they're they made they protected four rivalries. Four. That's it. Two yeah. of which are completely new to the conference. Uh, they protected the Holy War uh, between BYU and Utah. They protected the duel in the desert between Arizona and Arizona State. Those two are brand new to the conference. There's there's no long-standing tradition inside the Big 12 of these particular rivalry games. And the other two that they protected were the Sunflower Showdown between Kansas and Kansas State and then the rivalry between TCU and Baylor. And there was many, 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 many more rivalries that could have been protected. But I have not seen... I mean, have you seen any fan bases that are more livid about this, though, than Iowa State and Kansas literally, State right now? Literally none. Now, you, met- you mentioned you mentioned before the pod system. So tell us how you would fix that. Yeah, this is it's simple. All you have to do is scroll through Twitter for about five minutes to find this. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, West Pod, Utah, BYU, Arizona State, Arizona. So you retain the Holy War and the Duel in the Desert rivalries. That nothing changes there. You go to the old Big Twelve North. You call it a Midwest region or whatever you want to call it. But you retain the Sunflower Showdown. You get to keep Farmageddon. Between Iowa State and Kansas State. Now, the, the yes, the, four, the, the old Big 12 North rivalries. So then you'd also be reigniting rivalries between Kansas State and Colorado and Kansas and Colorado that haven't been in place for the last 11 years. And we get to have those back. But no, they Big 12 chose not to protect that either when they very easily could have done this. So yeah, that, that pod would have been Colorado, Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State. Now when we go to like a Southwest pod, this would be Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Baylor. Now, inside this pod, the rivalry is protected. That's TCU and Baylor. But what they didn't protect, and the Texas Tech really caught the hammer for this one because they lost three rivalry games out of this. Red Dirt was not protected between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Battle for the Saddle between Texas Tech and TCU was not protected. And the butt bowl between Baylor and Texas Tech was not protected. All of those could have been protected in a pod system alongside retaining the rivalry, which was protected. And then you go to a potential Big 12 East, which would be Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF, and Houston. I know Houston doesn't like this because it's more travel than if they would have been put in like just a Texas pod, but that causes other problems elsewhere in the conference. And you're new to the conference, Houston, so this is the cards you get dealt. Um, but they would have been able to maintain some of the old American athletic rivalries between uh, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. Um, and then we would have had the chance to reignite the Cincinnati-West Virginia rivalry that goes back to the Big East days and the Big 12 chose not to protect that either. Now this pod system, essentially what it would be is you'd play every team in your pod every single year and then the teams that are in the other pods you would play every other year. So every four years you would still play every single team home and away, which is what the Big 12 was trying to protect in the first place. But by rushing that to try to get some of them done in three years instead of four, they ended up sacrificing all of these protected rivalry or 
should be protected rivalries. Uh, and they were all sacrificed for really no good reason. It looks like the schedule was punched into a machine and this is what it spat out because there's just there's no humanity to this schedule. Yeah, they really should have taken their time with this because, yeah, the pod system would work so much better. Now, does this imply that Rhett Yormark with Iowa State, does this imply that he believes that the only Iowa State rivalry is Cyhawk? It, I mean, yes and no. It it kind of does because now it's the only game that we're going to have year in, year out with that's not going to be interrupted. But honestly, we're not even on the worst end of that because some teams are going to go in year in, year out with no protected rivals at all now. Mm. Um, because some of them, some of these teams here are don't, right, some of these teams here don't have any out-of-conference protected rivalries. Uh, if you look at Oklahoma State, for example, their only rivalry before was Bedlam, and Bedlam is not going to be protected once Bed or Bedlam is not going to be rescheduled with Oklahoma in the SEC now. Hmm. Oklahoma State has no rivals at all. Same goes with uh, Texas Tech; they have nothing. West Virginia's got nothing unless they start scheduling stuff with Marshall, um, and even then, that's not really much of a rivalry because you can't really have a rivalry between a bug and a windshield. So now I'll tell you what Jamie Pollard like spoke about with me and Vinny when we were in class because he did actually come and talk to us in class. So he was he was talking about like this rivalry situation. Like he he agrees that Cyhawks should like should be protected even if even if the Hawkeyes were like were in the same conference as us, then that would have been a protected rivalry. Well, I think the notion of us being in the Big Ten is a pretty far cry right now. Nah, but, but if we were in the same conference. So so makes you think about that. Well, someone also mentioned is like, oh, what about Iowa State and Texas? Like tech That's not a rivalry. Now he mentioned that that Texas is everyone's rival. That, that's not a rivalry. That's just a everyone hates Texas because they're Texas and they're the snobby rich kids. <laughs> That's not a rivalry. Yeah. If you're in the state of Texas, you can call it a rivalry. If you're AM in particular, you can call that a rivalry because AM hates Texas. But and Texas hates AM as well. And that's going to be renewed uh, in the SEC now. Mm-hmm. But sorry, no. Iowa State and Texas is not a rivalry. There's just a little bit of extra vitriol right now because Texas is leaving for the SEC. And no one wants to have the last L. So, yeah, Farmageddon, come on. That needs to be respected. There's over a 100 years now of tradition there that is just getting thrown away. For what? What exactly do we stand to gain by this? I see no benefit at all. Oh, it raises TV ratings. That's, That's an if. That's an if. We don't even that know is, that. That is an if, if you think about it. We don't even know that that's their argument. That's that's just speculation at best. Mm-hmm. We don't know that that's actually why they're doing this. For all we know, they just put the they just put it in an Excel spreadsheet, punched a couple buttons, and said, boom, here's your schedule. Like, they, they didn't go to any effort here at all to figure this out. They probably went to random.org or, yeah, chat GPT. Cyclone Larry said on, on Twitter, put a grid out that had a full slate, full slated schedule for every team that actually worked 
with a pod structure, and he said he did it on Excel in like 45 minutes. While being filled. And it was significantly better than what the Big 12 actually put out. Did you also mention that he was filled up on a, on one frozen pizza? Uh, that's what he said. <laughs> so, well, I guess we can take him for his word on that one. I don't think he'd lie about eating a frozen pizza. Moving on to the Big 12 race right now. Uh, we currently lie in a five-way tie for first, and that's going to get whittled down this week. Because K-State is playing Texas, and then this is Bedlam week. Bedlam, which is not occurring during rivalry week for some reason. I don't know. I liked it better when Bedlam was rivalry week. But here we are. Uh, Yeah, five-way tie for first between the four teams that I just mentioned. uh, K-State, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then us. And we're going to be playing Kansas, who's tied for second in the conference right now. So, And they're tied with West Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Who would be West Virginia had they not... Uh, lost the game on a Hail Mary. Houston would also be in this uh, tie for first. But, yes, the it's going to be whittled down this week, guaranteed, because we got two games where first teams that are tied for first place are playing each other. Um, and then, yeah, we're playing Kansas in prime time in prime. on ESPN. On we're ES- going to be getting the big TV numbers this week, boys. On ESPN. Now, remember, one team is on national television on prime time. The other is on Peacock. Yeah, Hawkeyes, you're uh, you're not getting good ratings this week. Do better. You're just not. Do better. Oh wait. But uh, yeah, Kansas. Um, it's gonna be on ESPN. It's gonna be loud. The uh, ticket sales for this game is it's sold out. And if you're looking for like student tickets right now, they're even the student section tickets are even in insanely high demand right now. Because you look on the marketplace, everybody's trying to buy them and no one's selling. This game is going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Jack Trice, night game in November. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rowdy. Have they announced uniforms yet for this game? They better be black. I hope that they're blackout uniforms. Uh, Vinny, you want to find the uh, uniform combo? Uh, Cyclone Equipment should usually post that on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, this this better be a, uh, a blackout game. I really, really hope this is a blackout game. They usually announce the... The uniforms like the day of, I'm pretty sure. No, they they typically announce them earlier in the week. I want. I wonder if those earlier in the week, like those are for away games. I'm not sure. No, they they announce generally earlier in the week, especially for themed games. Because if they made this a blackout, then they would have already announced that. Um, Kansas once again is not going to have Jalon Daniels for the game. They've got uh, Bean is going to be starting for them. Um. I know last week I was talking about in the NFL with uh, uh, about I, I was joking about Denver having a, a hangover game. Now this is a real possibility for an actual hangover game. Kansas coming off the win against uh, Oklahoma. This one's actually it's a serious possibility. Now with the stakes being what they are, I wouldn't bet my money on Kansas actually having a hangover game here. There it's. The, the, that's the situation that we're looking at. Any anything on the uniform combo yet, Vinny? Okay, okay, nothing nothing posted yet by Cyclone Equipment, so keep an eye out on that. Um, Blake, what are our keys to victory for this game? Mine personally, as as much as I believe it, home field advantage is real. We have we have gone over already the tickets. And the soon demand 
Students need to show up, and they will. Student demand is high, and we will be playing in front of a sold-out Jack Tri Stadium. Everyone needs to be allowed. It is going to be livid. Yeah. Um, for me, as far as the stuff that's actually happening on the gridiron itself, um, our run defense has absolutely got to contain Kansas. Um, they're averaging over 200 yards per game rushing, uh, 213.6 specifically. But that's uh, be- between their two running backs, they are just grounding and pounding and pounding. Iowa State is probably going to need to stack the box a little bit more often on Saturday than they usually do. But if they can contain Kansas's ground game, then they'll be set up for success. And then they'll also be able to gain dominance in time of possession, which has been such an important factor for the Cyclones so far this year. You win time of possession, you typically win games because having ball control and keeping your defense fresh is a good thing. And on the flip side of that, our offense absolutely has to be aggressive. We need to be risky on this game because we need to score a lot of points. And so we can't, you know, rely on scoring, you know, 24, 28 points and hoping that's going to win the game because Kansas is averaging over 36 points a game. And so we need to be able to, you know, outrun. We need to be able to, we need to plan on winning this game in a shootout. That's what we need to plan on because Kansas's offense is crazy. They've had, I think it was only one game and it was a game against Texas that Kansas did not score more than 30 points. And they have scored uh, over 40 uh, fairly consistently so far this season as well. So we need to be able to plan on scoring a lot of points if we want to have any chance at winning this game. The line for it is Iowa State minus 2.5. Blake, what are your thoughts on that? Is Iowa State going to be able to not only win but cover? they got to win. And I don't know. I feel like this is going to come down to, I think it's going to be a last possession type of game um, where it's whoever is going to have the ball last is going to score last is going to win. I feel like the the way that this game shakes out the way these two teams are, this seems like the kind of game where it's going to come down to a field goal at the very end. And if you make it, you win. If you miss it, you lose. And just because of that, any situation like that means you can't win by more than two points. So I'm going to say Iowa State wins. I like them in the home crowd in November at night, but they do not cover. So Iowa State to win, but not to cover. Um, Let's move on to volleyball. Last weekend, they split games against Oklahoma. That was... I don't know how they did, but... Yeah, that they should have been able to sweep them twice. We definitely should not have lost to Oklahoma the second game, let alone got swept by them. That was not good to watch. I've never had a worse time working a game. Like, not even Cyhawk football. But first game, that was as dominant as it should have been Niall Gonzalez. Well, yeah, we didn't we didn't make the errors that you know we needed to avoid making. That was one thing that I talked about on last week's show was that we needed to avoid errors very seriously. And that first game, we avoided errors. We hit really well in that game because of it. We were hitting uh well over 300 in that game because we weren't having hitting errors. But 
serve-receive errors were not prevalent in that game. Blocking errors were not prevalent in that game. We did end up with 325. That was uh, that was what we hit on the first game? On the first game. Second game. Second game was only 135 is what we hit. But that's because all of the errors that we had managed to get rid of for that first game were back. And they were back bad. Hitting errors, serve-receive errors. It, blocking errors, they were all over the place. Uh, service errors too. Oklahoma had their their share of service errors as well. But we th- we we were making mistakes everywhere on the court, and there there's no one spot that can be isolated in this. It's but a lot of it was us shooting ourselves in the foot because it wasn't Oklahoma getting kills. It wasn't Oklahoma. Uh, well, I guess if Oklahoma was getting aces, that'd be a serve-receive error on us. But that was one thing that was causing problems. Oklahoma uh, getting service aces where they really shouldn't have been. Um, but it wasn't like Oklahoma was manufacturing a lot of their points. It's not like they were getting a lot of kills where they were you know, seeing a lot of attacks and such like that. It was us shooting ourselves in the foot. And that's absolutely got to change because we're starting to look at the course of now as we're ha- as stacking up some bad conference losses, we're falling in the conference standings. And now we're at the point where we legitimately need to consider the possibility that we don't even make the NCAA tournament after last year when we made it to the second round. That is something that we need to be legitimately considering here. As of now, I've, I've, like I've I've got the th- good thoughts about this. I th- I think we'll make it. Okay, I mean we're gonna have to turn it around in order to do that because if you're going 500 in your conference record, you're not making it. That's just not the way this game goes. Um, and in order to for us to get back above 500 in that conference record, uh, we're gonna have to beat TCU this weekend. We got it's a doubleheader, correct? Yes. Yeah, doubleheader against TCU in Fort Worth. Um, TCU is 13-10 and 10 on the year. They're 6-6 six six conference record. Um, they're in a little bit of a similar boat as us. But we've got some common opponents. Uh, TCU had a single game against Oklahoma, who they beat 3-2. to two. Now, considering we split decisions on the opposite end of the extremes, uh, that doesn't really tell us all that much. But what... I'm paying attention to a little bit more here is the other common opponent that we have right now, which is K-State. Oklahoma swept them the first time they played them, and then they lost three sets to two. So Oklahoma has done significantly better against Kansas State than we did. Kansas State swept us, if uh, I do recall correctly, and we had a lot of error problems in that game as well. Um, And that's... We, we need to fix the error problems because a lot of the times that we're losing, it's because we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We just we have to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. And I, I don't really know what else to, to say about that right now. Our, our, our squad's still young. The, well, they're young, yes, but part of being young is you have to learn not to make those errors. Hmm. And I feel like it's getting honestly progressively worse as this season is going, and that's we need to turn the tide now. Um, anything else? Um, players to watch against TCU. Oh yes, players to watch. This was uh TCU's recent matchups with UCF. 
Audrey Knowles and Jalen Gibson. Jalen Gibson. They both had 23 kills in two separate games. Knowles had 23 in game one. Gibson had 23 in game two. They were they were relentless. They're and both they're both outside, aren't they? Might be. I didn't I didn't check. That's I mean those those are outside hitter kind of numbers. Yeah, those are. But that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they I I assume that they uh beat UCF in both of those games in extra sets if they're racking up those kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. So, do you do you know what those were offhand or not? Not not no. Okay. Not immediately. Um but tonight we will tune in tonight and we'll come back with results next week. Yep. Uh, men's basketball, they open their season at home on Monday night against Green Bay. Got a lot of new faces, a lot of stuff to observe. Um, not a whole lot to look at yet. We'll be getting our first look at a lot of these players together on the court on Monday night, and then you know, then we'll have some more to analyze. Yeah, no, we won't have a whole lot to look at for – men's basketball until next week when we actually have some stuff to analyze right now it's going to be a lot of fresh faces a lot of a lot of observation and seeing how this team actually blends together um on the other side of the basketball side of things we have gotten a chance to observe the women's basketball team a little bit we got a lot to talk about yeah they had an exhibition against truman state on wednesday night um but which is one of our players' former schools? Yes, uh, Hannah Bellinger transferred from Truman State. Did she not? Yes, that was yeah, it was Hannah. Um, but Blake, what are you? Uh, what are you seeing from our newcomers right now? Well, I feel like uh, your you hyping up Kelsey Jones was justified. Well, that's because I was following what everyone was saying on Twitter. You know, I was just jumping into the crowd and being a sheep. <laughs> But apparently they were right because the rumor mill was that Kelsey Jones was the best of the Jones sisters. She was better than Ashley. She was better than Aubrey. And I saw nothing on Wednesday night that led me to believe anything different. Now, this is a one game. We have a small sample size. But I did not really see a whole lot of things that led me to doubts from Kelsey. It's good to have a sharpshooter back. Kelsey can sharpshoot. She was uh, five for seven from three. Yes. Um, yeah, it's great to have a sharpshooter again because we needed a sharpshooter after losing Danae Fritz and Lexi Dinarski mm-hmm. to the transfer portal. Kelsey looks like she's going to fit that spot in very nicely and can be a reliable high scorer. Um, her defensive uh, – th- th- there were some problems on the defensive end of the floor a little bit more. Over committing, uh, excuse me, over committing on some coverages, but aside from that, not a whole lot to be worried about from Kelsey. Um, we also saw some good stuff from the other freshmen. The fresh, the newcomers dominated most of the floor time in the exhibition game, which is what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, but we we brought in what is basically the highest recruiting class so far. And, I mean, Addie, Audie, and Jalen all had great days. Audie and Jalen had double-doubles. So, um, 
but is there anything that you you saw from them that you're looking to hopefully see some growth on over the course of the year? Mm-hmm. I feel like with Audie Crooks, uh, you you saw you saw how much like I've seen a bunch I've seen a bunch of film on Audie like in high school. I just hope I just hope she's able to apply most of what she's learned to to actually college ball. Well, she's a dominant presence. We were talking during the game. We were talking about this. I said she looks kind of like the next Monica Sanano. Yeah, where it's it's just very physical. You're just gonna out muscle everybody in the in the zone, uh, down down in the post. And if that's the way that you know you score points, that's the way that you score points. I got nothing against that as long as we're, uh, you know, scoring points and the other team's not. If she's gonna be a physical presence. I'm glad to have that. Um, I would have liked I would have liked to see more aggressiveness from a driving perspective i mean addy and jalen in particular were effective when they did drive jalen's slashing was actually quite good um i did like jalen's basket cuts when she was making them um but that's that's something that i like to see and another thing that we need to take note of is we do need a little bit more uh fundamental work in the post though um the three second violations we had if I'm not mistaken, there was four of them called Ooh. in the exhibition, which is more than I can remember being called over the course of the regular season of the last two years. Yeah, yeah. That's just not something that we've had problems with is three-second calls, and we had a ton of them on uh, Wednesday night. And that, that's just unnecessary turnovers that don't need to be happening. It's step outside of the paint, and then you don't have to worry about that. So... um. There's some other stuff going on inside the program that will uh, have an effect on the regular season when that starts on Monday. Um, the point guard position is something that there's some question marks around that right now with, with Emily Ryan. Um, Blake, it's they Fenn said that it was a it was a health related issue, but Emily Ryan is out indefinitely. Um, we don't really know any more about that right now. Yep. And I wouldn't expect to know more about that in the near future, Mm -hmm. but that is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on because going into the season, it was looking like Emily Ryan was essentially going to be the de facto leader of this team. Yes. Being that she's among the most experienced on the team. She's a senior. She's been here the entire time. She's been a starter more often than not. And she's been one of the best point guards in the country for the last few years. Not having Emily Ryan in the game is something that it hangs some question marks over the program where before we were a lot more steady. Now, another one of our freshmen, Ariana Jackson, was running the point on Wednesday night. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot that was worthy of writing home about. Mm-hmm. Nothing that was particularly bad, but nothing that was particularly great either. Yeah, and I felt, and I felt like she was decent, like like just for witnessing the exhibition. It was it it was all right. There she wasn't giving up a whole lot of turnovers. I, I don't have her assist and turnover numbers here. I wish I had that so I could see the uh, the assist turnover ratio. That would be good to be looking at right now. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing that we're going to have to be focusing on is how's that ball getting distributed 
mm-hmm. because that's that's an essential part of running an offense and being able to score points is getting that ball distributed where it needs to go. Um, now Emily Ryan and Nyamir do we're not we're not playing during the exhibition game. Now Bill Finley said he was hopeful for Nyamir Nyamir Dew's appearance on Monday. Right. Yeah, he said that uh, Nyamir not playing on Wednesday was. Uh, more or less to make sure that she stays healthy. Yes. Because she, Nyamer is she's proven. Naya's proven. We we know what she can do on the court. You don't really need to put her out there during the exhibition because we already have a solid idea of what she's capable of. She's a talented basketball player and is probably going to be a starter for our uh, true home opener here on Monday, which is going to be against Butler. And it is the skip school game, as we like to call it, or as Cyclone Athletics actually calls it, the field trip game, because it's at 11 o'clock on a Monday, and it's going to be full of fourth graders so and other elementary school kids that are not doing schoolwork. But that is, that's the way that's going to be. Class actually got canceled for me uh, that day, so... Well, I'm just skipping class to go to it. Wrestling. Their season opens Sunday against Cleveland State. It's time to get the mats out. It's <laughs> wrestling season. We're a wrestling school. <laughs> Kansas. And, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing we will always hold over you, K-State. So you guys don't wrestle. Y'all, just, y'all don't have the stones to do it. Why don't you get a mat out? And then we, will, we can march into Manhattan, Kansas, and wrestle you in the octagon and we're going to win all 10 bouts by pin. That's the way it's going to go. K-State is scared of that. Why, why did I speak? But anyway, wrestling does open the season Sunday against Cleveland State. Um, there's no reason to believe we don't win that. Mm-hmm. All right, Blake, I uh, I think I hear some 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 whooshing and some some airflow. Is it? I believe it's time for high-speed wins. All right. Club Hockey wins their Halloween matchup against Waldorf. They are actually currently undefeated. Uh, they will face Maryville University in a two-game series. That will start on November 10th and will go on to the 11th. Swimmies, ISU Swimmies, own the state of South Dakota by winning back-to-back meets against South Dakota and South Dakota State. Their next meet will be the Hawkeye Invite in Iowa City, not to be confused with Cyhawk. Cyhawk is still happening here in Ames, but... Cross-country, Cyclone women place third, and Cyclone men place fourth in the Big 12 tournament in Ames. Kind of makes you wonder how many schools are used to running in freezing weather. All right. Let's move on to the pro sports now. The Minnesota Vikings had a win versus the Green Bay Packers, 24-10. I mean, was that to be expected? Uh, I mean, sort of. There's a little bit of a... Uh, wild card thrown into that game though with Kirk Cousins leaving with an injury. Um, now he threw two touchdown passes in that game before yes. having to leave with his injury, but he's going to be out for the season now because it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was an Achilles, wasn't it? And uh, that's yeah, he's just he's going to be done. That's there's, you you don't come back from that in this season with any luck. He'll be able to play again next season, but. That's that's tough. The Vikings prospects for this year just went way down 
any chance of trading Kirk Cousins is probably completely off the table, though, this year. So I guess rest assured, Vikings fans, you'll still have him next year. Um, Vikings next game against the Falcons. Uh, they share a 4-4 four and four record. They all uh, like the Vikings. Um, the Lions got Atlanta minus 4.5. Blake, what are you thinking for this one? Who's going to win? Who's going to cover? Might have to be the Falcons because – because I feel I feel like the Vikings are more scrambling, like with Kirk with the loss of Kirk Cousins, I feel like they're they're trying to get like scrambling to get to like get stuff organized, like in like a week span. Right. They did just pull Josh Dobbs. Um, they got him on a trade with the Cardinals, but working into a system takes time, and I don't think that without Justin Jefferson being in there either, um, I. I I, I don't see how the Vikings can win this game. I think that Atlanta is going to cover this one. Atlanta is going to win. They're going to cover because they their team is in place, and Minnesota is losing. They, they lost their two most talented pieces that they have on offense, and now it's – what do they have? It's Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson, but having someone to actually get the ball to them right now is a problem. The Chicago Bears – they lost to the Chargers, thirty to thirteen. The Bears. Yeah, they're they're the Bears. The Bears. They're just yeah. We're we were having a debate earlier. We'll we'll get to it a little bit later when we start talking about the Packers. Um, but w- what even is the standard of bad in the NFL right now? Because it's getting hard to make the case that it's the Broncos anymore. As much fun as it was to you know joke about the Broncos being the standard of bad for the last year and a half. We start, I think we're starting to have to look at uh, potentially somebody else taking that mantle right now. And uh, I guess anyone who said Tyson Badgent was the solution is wrong. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to bite the bullet on that one because that was basically exactly what I said last week. So um, that's a little bit, little bit rough on my end of things. Um, but the bears, they're playing the Saints. Uh, the Saints are four and four. The Bears are two and six. The line is New Orleans minus eight and a half. Blake, what are you thinking for this one? Probably going to see a similar score to this week with the Bears. I think Alvin Kamara is going to run all of them. <laughs> Alvin Kamara is. I, I mean, Alvin Kamara puts up similar numbers to CMC and just doesn't get the recognition for it because he plays at New Orleans and the rest of New Orleans is kind of like garbage. But a game like a game like this they're not I, I don't think that the that the Saints are going to put up as much offense as the Chargers because the Chargers just put up offense that's all they do um but yeah I, I do think Alvin Kamara is just going to walk all over the Bears defense um so I like New Orleans to cover this minus eight and a half how about you New Orleans covered New Orleans win what are we seeing here New Orleans win obviously I think they'll cover New Orleans covers on this one. Yeah. All right. Green Bay. Uh, they took an L to the Vikings, as previously mentioned. And Green Bay is another one of these teams here that we were talking about. Uh, are they taking the mantle as the standard of bad in the NFL? Because what talent even are they bringing to the table on the offensive side of the ball? What exactly are you supposed to write home about right now if you're a Packers fan? Yeah, Jordan Love is not your solution. No. 
you I'm, you traded away a lot of your offensive talent. You don't have good receivers anymore because you don't have uh, Devontae Adams. You don't have Alan Lazard anymore. I mean, what you're looking at right now, you got injury problems at running back. And your best receiver is, was it Romeo Dobbs? Uh, I, 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 what do you do with that? You got there, There's nothing there. You, you're not winning games that way. So I, I think you can make a fair case right now that Green Bay is the standard of bad in the NFL. And it, do you, is there any argument against that, Blake? No, I'm definitely on the fence with the Packers and the Bears. Is, is, is there a matter of which one? Is the standard of bad? I'm mostly on the Bears, but but I'm still I'm still. See, right now I'm I'm leaning more toward the Packers, especially since the Packers lost to the Broncos too. You and the Broncos, I think you could say used to be the standard of bad. That, but the Bears failed to hold their own against the Broncos. That that's fair, but the Bears have been able to put up at least some respectable numbers in some of their games. And they do have some talent on their roster. And some of the stuff they made in the, the trades uh, before the trade deadline on the defensive side of the ball, I think is going to help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Green Bay is doing. I, 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 I don't know what Green Bay has got going on from a management perspective. I don't know how you can actually plan on winning games with the roster that they have. So I think my my argument is that Green Bay is now the new standard of bad in the NFL. Um, and this week they will be playing the Rams, who are three and five. The line is actually Green Bay minus three and a half. This is in Lambeau Field. So what are you uh what are you taking for this? Talk about a home field advantage. Uh, feel like. Feel like yeah, the Rams can't even get fans in their home stadium. They're not <laughs> going to have any fans in Green Bay. Unless there's some stray St. Louis person that still cheers for the Rams after the Rams flipped the bird to St. Louis. Oh, my. So, and they wanted to make the trip all the way up to Green Bay because insanity? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, who's winning? Who's covering? I think Rams. I think they won't cover, I think. But don't ever listen to my predictions. They're terrible. I just made an argument that Green Bay is a standard of bad in the NFL right now. Rams cover and win. Okay. Rams cover, Rams win. Um, let's, let's move on to the Chiefs here real quick. Here we go. Last week, my beloved Chiefs, Took a loss to the Denver Broncos, twenty-four to nine, in what was perhaps Patrick Mahomes' worst game in the NFL. I've never said this on the pod, but I'm actually a born Broncos fan. There's no escaping that. So to see to see this win just gave me feels from Super Bowl Fifty. Haven't won haven't won against the Chiefs since 2015. I'm I'm honestly glad glad to see this skid break. Now, granted, I'm not. I know you're not, but but understandably, Patrick Mahomes, like like he was having health issues. Like he was, he was in very under the weather. Yeah, Mahomes was sick, which didn't help. I still had him in my fantasy team though, because, well, who, that kind of stuff. Wouldn't? That kind of well, you don't see that on the injury report on Friday. Yeah. So that stuff doesn't get flagged. It, there was never even a red flag that popped up under Mahomes for fantasy. Like I, I had no indication at all that I should sub in 
uh, my backup instead of having Mahomes in. But the same nope. the same Broncos team they got seventy points put on them by the Dolphins held Patrick Mahomes to three field goals. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, that uh, that was a problem, but there's going to be an asterisk on it because Mahomes was sick and still playing anyway. Just like there's an asterisk on Ohio's victory over Iowa State earlier this year, we had like six players sick. Exactly. And if we were healthy, ain't no way the Bobcats would have beat the Cyclones. But yeah, unfortunately, that does affect the standings. The uh, the Chiefs are now six and two. The entire they're still basically they're still I think they're the betting favorites to win the uh, to win the Super Bowl with uh, San Francisco taking some hits the last couple weeks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the Chiefs are going to be playing the aforementioned Dolphins this week. Um, the line is Kansas City minus two. What do you uh What do you take on that? Well, Mahomes has to feel better. So, see this game. This game to me, this has shootout written all over it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're gonna see a lot of scoring. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, excuse me. The Chiefs have some solid defensive coverage. I I, I think that you know having especially uh, Sneed back there, Sneed's fast, so being able to. That that will help, I think, deal with covering Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But having both of those speedsters against you means that they're going to carve you up, especially if you're trying to play man to man. And that's just going to be a problem. So I, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be able to hold the Dolphins to very low scoring. And Likewise, I think that the Chiefs being healthy again, coming off a loss, they're going to come in ready. And Travis Kelsey had a not great game last week either. I think he's going to be looking to rebound. Same with Isaiah Pacheco. we got an entire Chiefs team that is going to be locked in, ready to score. So I'm, I'm really thinking shootout here. But does Kansas City cover? I think Kansas City does cover. I think I, I like Kansas City by seven in this game. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move on to the NBA real quick. Uh, Timberwolves in the last week they beat the Heat and the Nuggets and they lost to the Hawks. Um, they're currently leading the league in opponents' points per game at a hundred point eight. They're doing a very good job of holding opponents inside the nineties when it comes to points, and. That's that's an effective way to win games. You, you can't win games if you're not scoring points. So obviously, the Timberwolves holding teams down lower in points is going to be an effective way to win the games in the long run, mm-hmm. assuming that they can actually get their own scoring up because they're near the bottom of the league in scoring at 105.8 points per game, which is not great. But they can work with that to get it to get it back up. Um, they got games against the Jazz, Celtics, and Pelicans. Um, good luck holding the Celtics to that low points numbers. Their scoring's been insane so far, but that's where that's sitting at. The uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh no. They, uh, yeah they they got some stuff to work on. They're two and two on the season now. 
they lost to the Hawks and the Raptors. They beat the Heat. Uh, they are third to last in opponents' points per game. They're allowing 122 points a game right now. That's that's hard to win games. That makes it hard to win games. They just need to keep up the defense. Now, granted, one of those games was to the Hawks, and they've been a scoring machine so far early in the season. But their defense has clearly taken a hit after trading Drew Holiday, and that's I, – I understand. Like, their, their offense is better than it was before. They already had a halfway decent offense, but, like, their, their offense – improved with Damian Lillard, but losing Drew Holiday at the point meant that your defense was going to take a hit, and that's what we're seeing. And I don't know if anybody thought it was going to take this much of a hit, though, Mm -hmm. because it took a very hard hit. And upcoming here in the next week, they've got games against the Knicks, Nets, Pistons, and Pacers. Um, I mean, whatever happened to defense, defense, defense? I yeah. this is one that I expect. Yeah, the uh, Timberwolves and the Bucks are polar opposites. Oh yeah, I feel like this is a trend that that's just gonna keep on, like honestly. But they they still have a lot to fix. Yeah, they're they're gonna have to fix stuff on the defensive end of the floor. They can score points, but they'll be fine. Um, the Chicago Bulls uh, is less pretty of a picture. Oh no, um, they're down to two and three on the season. Uh, they beat the Raptors and the Pacers in the last week here. They lost to the Pistons and the Mavericks. Uh, they're even worse than the Timberwolves in scoring, though. They're only at 105.4 points per game. And it just feels like th- they keep up for most of the game. And in the fourth quarter, they just die. They run out of gas, and they just stop doing anything. Well, where's the fresh players? So it's, I don't know, it, it, it's like it's a conditioning thing. Like, start running some stairs in, in United Arena. Just start running the steps. They're pretty tall. You, United Arena is a pretty big building. So, yeah, start start running some stairs or go over to Soldier Field and start running some stadiums because, I mean, conditioning. Come on. If that's the problem, our high school girls basketball team had eight players. We made it to the state semifinals. There is no excuse. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's ridiculous that – that conditioning appears to be the problem at this level. That that just shouldn't be what it is. But they're just running out of gas in the fourth quarter, and their average point differential is the is it's their worst right now to start the season. They're at minus seven point four point differential, and what that's telling us is the wins that they do have are close, and their losses are not. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big trend for recently, and that's. Yeah, it's you can't win games when that's what your average point differential is. The the Bulls are going to have to find a way to either get some more. They're going to need to get a little bit more star power because they don't really have that right now. Um, they're going to have to uh, maneuver something in a trade to to pull off something like that. But that's where they're sitting at right now. They need more offensive firepower. Um, and then the next week, they'll be playing the Nets, Nuggets, Jazz, and the Suns. The uh, NHL, the Minnesota Wild, are up to 3-5-2 and five and two on the season. They're at eight points. Uh, they had games here in the last week against the Capitals 
and they had two games in a row against the Devils, an unusual uh, double kind of situation where you play them uh, at home and away. Or maybe it was away and at home. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Considering they were playing the Capitals, it would seem like they would be playing uh, East Coast game. So I would think it would be away and at home. But I don't have that actually written down in front of me. Um, How's Brat looking? What's that? How's Brat looking? Um, I mean, Brat, he had, let's see, in the first game against the Devils, he had uh, three points, two goals, and one assist. Uh, the Devils, they had... The Devils had 12 minutes of penalty time in that second game, and they still won that against the Wild. The the Wild, the Wild got to do better than that on the yeah they can't the power play. They can't depend on Brett. Like, well, the the Wild they need to be capitalizing on power play. Yeah. Um, but it can't it can't just be Brett. Right. And the uh, the Devils were outshot in that game too, 34 to 30. Um, Flurry's making stops, but the defense is not helping right now, and it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, upcoming here, they got games against uh, the Rangers, the Islanders, and then the Rangers again. Um, the Rangers again. The Black, the Chicago Blackhawks, three six and zero on the year so far. They're at six points. Um, they had. Uh, win against the Knights here and a loss against the Coyotes. Um, and what we're seeing so far on the year is that Bedard can score, but is leaving other things to be desired on the ice. His plus minus is at minus five right now, which is among the worst on his team and is frankly among the worst in the NHL. But that means that when he's on the ice, yeah, he's scoring. But it means other teams are scoring that much more. That's not a winning formula. And so Chicago has got to get their defense figured out because it is not there. Bedard is scoring. He's one of the most effective scorers in the league right now. But when he's on the ice, whoever he's playing is a more effective scorer. And so that that's that's just gotta go, that's gotta change. The total scoring differential right now for the Blackhawks is at minus 13, which is really bad for only being nine games into the year. Um, they got upcoming games here against the Panthers, Devils, and the Lightning. What do you expect to see from that? More of the same, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Bedard's going to score points, and the rest of the team is going to do absolutely nothing to help. I, I don't know what, what else to say for the Blackhawks. It's not a good start. You put all your chips in on Bedard, and it, he's not looking like your answer right now until you can get some kind of a defensive presence, and they, they do not have a defensive presence. The St. Louis Blues had games against the Flames, Canucks, and the Avalanche. They beat the Flames. They lost the Canucks and the Avalanche. Um, almost in blowouts, bro. Five five zero against the Canucks, four one against the Avalanche. Almost shut out by the Avalanche. They they did beat the Flames three zero, but their defenseman Justin Falk is one of only two players on the team with a positive plus minus ice time, and himself he only has one assist, 
So when Falk is on the ice, he's making the rest of the team better. And that's something that I think the Blues need to take note of here. Um, because that's that's a, the kind of difference maker that you need to be looking for. You don't necessarily just want to look at individual stats, but that plus minus time gives you an indication of how you're making the rest of your team. And the other the other player for the Blues that's got positive plus minus time is uh, Jack of Um Now he's got less significant ice time than Falk, but that's because he's a left wing and not a defenseman. Vrana's got three points himself. But the Blues are in a position where maybe some line adjustments and they could start winning games a little bit more effectively um, if they start managing their ice time a little bit differently. But they need to avoid some of these blowouts and focus on making sure that your strong team players are out on the ice because having that full team functionality is what wins you games. And if you want to know what it's like to not have full team functionality, uh, go ask the Blackhawks. Um, The Blues have upcoming games here against the Devils, the Canadians, the Jets, and the Coyotes. You, uh, what what are you thinking is going to be coming up here for that, Blake? Hopefully less shutouts, or potential shutouts, I should say. Because, boy. The Canucks and the Avalanche. Yeah, no, that was that was not pretty. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we've got for today's show. Follow us on Twitter. You can find Blake at BlakeTech1846. Find me at the Menson Minute. Hit that follow button on Spotify or the plus button on Apple. This is Blake Peterson. I'm Matt Menson. Our producer is Vinny Cataldo, and this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.